Hey, everybody. Welcome to Performance Anxiety. Before we get into this week's show, I just want to remind everyone to subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to us. Check us out on social media at Performance ANX and consider picking up some merchandise at performanceanx.threadless.com. This week, I was lucky enough to speak with Alan Johannes. Alan's from the band Eleven. He's also played with Queen of the Stone Age, Them Crooked Vultures, and so many other bands. It's too, there's just too many to get into in this intro. When I started thinking about doing this show, Alan was in the top five of my list of people I wanted to speak with. Not only did I find out that he's one of the nicest people I've ever spoken with, he's also one of the strongest. So sit back, grab a little snack, maybe drink, box of tissues, and get prepared to listen to one of the most powerful interviews that I've done so far. I hope you enjoy my talk with Alan Johannes. everybody, this is Alan Johannes, and get ready for this amazing chat with Mark Shea, Performer's Anxiety. We're going to talk about stuff, and then stuff, and more stuff. All right, tune in. Hey, bro, what's going on? Oh, not much. How are you? Good. Good. Don't worry, it's going to be fun. Oh, good. <laughs> I see you got my last message. I was, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, <laughs> I've done this show for a little while now and i i didn't realize what i like to do is i like to do a lot of research on whoever i'm interviewing i think whoever i'm talking to deserves my full attention so right. you know I, I try to do research and find older interviews newer interviews um read all kinds of stuff and in researching you i almost got a little overwhelmed with the amount of artists and bands that <laughs> I know that you've been involved with starting way back in the, the mid eighties and such. It was just, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Actually, even, even, uh, I mean, it all, uh, for the, you know, seventies when I moved to LA the last day of 74 and then went to Bancroft junior high and I met hello and Jack in uh, eighth grade. That was pretty much the beginning of the whole journey. You know, that's yeah. I, I was yeah. reading about that and, and just, Oh, and we'll get into that. Absolutely. But uh, uh, first of all, I do want to thank you for, for coming on the show. It means an, an enormous amount to me because, like I was just telling you, that you know your music is wrapped up in so much of the stuff that I listen to. Even the, just the sounds, like, like um, oh God, music you've written that other people have done, like Jimmy Necco, and, and, and it's just, it's, uh, it's incredible. But, um, oh, thank you, bro. You know, what was really funny is that uh, you're one of the, uh, I'd say when I first started putting the list together of people I really wanted to talk to when I started this show, you were mm. in my like, top five. Awesome. So I'm so thrilled to have you on. It's just, it means the world to me and I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. So the first thing I want to ask, and, and I guess, like I've said to everybody, the show is more of a conversation. It's very casual, and the listeners are more like flat on the wall. Just, just they happen to be listening to you and me talking. Exactly. So the first thing I, I do have to ask you, though, is since I've heard it several different ways, is it Johannes or Johannes? Or is yeah, it I, I, I mean, I, you know, like people always say Johannesburg, you know, yeah. or they say Johannesburg. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it, it depends. Like, uh, I guess John is with a, with a J, like, you know. But yeah. I, I usually just say Johannes, you know. Okay. Uh, like, kind of think of Johann Sebastian Bach. People, nobody says Johann. <laughs> say Johann. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and actually, and, and I'll just say Alan because my mom gave me the name Alain, A-L-A-I-N, which is the French spelling of Alan. Okay. And, and mainly because she, she was kind of smitten with Alain Delon, the, the French uh, actor. Ah, okay. But it's it's really hard to say Alain uh, in in kind of uh, <laughs> you speak English. <laughs> yeah. So I've been called Elaine. Uh, sometimes people get confused. I'm not really sure oh, if Elaine or Elaine is a guy or a girl. So Al, you know, people call me Al. People call me Alain. Um, Alan. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. All right. But Johannes. Yeah. Okay. We won't even get into my last name, uh, which is Mosholski, because Johannes is my middle name that I use as my rock star name. Because Natasha and I, her being a Schneider and me being a Mosholski, when we first got together, uh, we were like, "Well, uh, I think maybe you should use your middle name. I'm <laughs> better because otherwise we sound like a law firm." Yeah. <laughs> you know, welcome to Schneider and Mosholski. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we specialize in. Have you been injured in a, anyway. in a workplace incident? Ah, uh, yes, exactly. One, one of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, our specialty is banana peels, which apparently never. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think anyone ever slipped on one. I think it's just like uh, I think that's just a big, uh, big old lie. It's uh, a Hollywood ruse. No one's ever done. Yeah, it. I'm telling you. I mean, I've, I've maybe it's good. Maybe not, because everyone keeps getting warned about it that no one slips on it. They always look out for the banana peel. That's true. So, uh, Plus, they, it's a, it's, how yeah, you, I mean, a grapes are grapes are way deadlier because yeah. grape is like you know. Oh yeah, it's you know, tiny. They yeah. tell you they tell you not to feed your kid. I've got three kids and uh, they're all teenagers now, but they they tell you don't don't feed your kids grapes for years. Yeah, and I never oh, thought about what? that. Well, it's why it's why is that for the uh, choking hazard or yeah. the slipping thing or or the the skin gets stuck to your intestines? I don't know. Something. I was <laughs> told it's a choking thing. I hadn't thought of the skin getting stuck to my intestines, but now I don't want to eat grapes yeah. anymore. <laughs> uh, grapes are awesome, though. No, no, they're fine. They're fine. I, th I think we're we're designed to 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 cope. I All right. All right. Since yeah. you're a lawyer, I'll I'll take your word on it. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> so how many? So all right. So your name, your first name is. Uh, f French based. Um, yes. So, how many languages do you speak? Because I know you you sing and you speak in, and and, and I'm not very good at this because I, I I only took Spanish for six years. But is it, yeah. is, it is Chilean? Is it Spanish? Or what are you singing in? It, it it is Spanish, but but my if I can be pretty quick with my uh my my story in terms of the languages and and why I learned them. Well, I was born in in Santiago in Chile, right? right. Uh, in 62 and I got whisked away by my grandmother before I could really speak Spanish. Right. And okay. so she took, she took me to Zurich. Um, and I learned uh, Swiss German wow. and then we, the whole family got, uh, reunited in 67 uh, in Panama where I started to like, you know, realize, okay, this is that my German's not going to work here. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. And so I learned Spanish. Then we moved to Mexico City in 68 to 74. And I spoke Spanish and German at that point. But the German, you know, I was never really a big fan of it because I realized at the dinner table that, that every, you know, the conversations were soft in Spanish. And then they would, 
they spoke English too, and a lot of polyglots in my family. Okay. And the English would be the discussion, and then the screaming would be in the German. So, <laughs> it, it, so I, it used to scare me a little bit. Um, I, so obviously, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, having to immerse into completely different environments, I had to just, you know, uh, kind of give, give give the other other thing and just focus on on that. And so when I moved to LA, I, I, I just focused on uh, learning English, and uh, and then I took French in school. So I have sung in French for the Hi-Fi Club, uh, and I, when we did that, uh, Plans Make Us Laugh. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a song that they sang in French, and then and then my very first ever foray into my well, I mean, I did some guesting um, when I first came back to Chile in 2010 to meet my real father and my old my, my paternal side of the family that Josh uh, was the one that had orchestrated all that. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, I had never met my real father. Uh, he wow. was kind of a myth. And I actually didn't even know I had a real father until much later in life when my grandmother spilled the beans, even though she's the one that, that I don't know, it's a long story. But yeah. she, she's like, <laughs> no one is ever going to tell him that he has a real father. And then... And then she was the one, and my mom was like, "What the fuck?" That was a German uh, accent too, by the way. You know, so that was yes, that, that I, fell, you fell right into that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's very uh, yeah. It maybe through uh, through just like you know, villain, villain Bond villain, <laughs> <laughs> German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah baby, destroy everything. <laughs> um, you're too you're too good at that. No, it's it's <laughs> anyway. So. So yeah, that that's why uh, that's why I'm so confused. Basically, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, it, it it's worth because I mean you, you sing beautifully in, in so many different languages, and it, it's worked. It's opened up some creativity, uh, obviously, because you you've been a working musician forever. But you now, I'm assuming in in doing a little bit of the research that I, I found out you grew up in a house full of of artists and musicians. Yeah, I, I would say definitely my 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 family. Um, there were more entertainers, but that also included being musicians. So my mom and my, my uncle Alex were singers. Um, uh, and my uncle Peter was a singer, but he was also the, the kind of multi-instrumentalist and, you know, he played several instruments. And so he was really key in uh, a couple of things. It's one, one thing is, uh, uh, since really young, I really uh, keyed in on the Beatles, you know, Oh yeah, and uh, uh, the singles were coming out in real time because it was the '60s, and I was very young, but I was very uh, aware of music and, and loved it. And I would, you know, basically uh, uh, make my mom buy me the singles, and then my uncle Peter gave me a guitar when I was six. Ah, okay. Uh, and I had one around the house. Uh, there was always an instrument around since four, so I would just pick out chords and try to learn the songs. And then he would come and. Uh, on, you know, he he would li live in the same uh, country usually when we lived in Mexico. He was traveling around, but whenever he came for a period of time, he would like rehearse at our house and had his band and there'd oh, be cool. instruments around, like drum sets and basses and horns. You know, he played flute, he played trumpet. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and there was always a piano, and so I had access to instruments, especially because. You know, he liked to, uh, him and his band liked to party a lot. So they weren't really <laughs> rehearsing as much as they should have been. So I had, <laughs> it was the sixties. Yeah. I had access to stuff. And, um, and so that was, uh, that was really, uh, and he was, you know, pretty huge, uh, star in, in Chile. His name was, uh, Peter Rock, Peter Rock. 
That's a fantastic and, uh, name. Yeah, yeah, and, and the uh, him and my my real dad, uh, Danny Chilean, they they were kind of like the uh, the start of the Nueva Ola, which is the new wave, uh, was what they referred to the rock movement, where they would do their own songs and sing in Spanish from late fifties and sixties. Okay, that, that along was with a little unusual yeah. back then, right? Yeah, very much so, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I had to go back in the. And for the first time, really, because I was too small to remember anything, and then met my entire other side of the family, which is which is amazing. So every time I go back to Chile, we hang out. And I, you, know, you know, sadly, my 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 dad passed away little, like three weeks after my mom. There were like two new moons that January. Um, wow. My mom died on the first, and and my dad on the second. Oh my god! Uh, so wow, that's really trippy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but but it was great because uh, you know I got to kind of like see where the what seemed to you know this kind of like missing this kind of aching uh, you know missing thing uh, you know and I got to realize where where the other part of me comes from and what some of my uh, particular qualities yeah. <laughs> that I didn't see it, it didn't see in my my mom's side of the family where they came from you know so it's it's it was cool so definitely. would your uncle releasing music and, and do you have any of that still did you, did you were you able to collect some of that yeah I, I mean he didn't he didn't uh, uh put out records as much as my dad you know he was always kind of uh, he was tra- traveling and playing with a big band and okay. doing you know like he would do amazing impressions so he would do louis armstrong and oh, wow. uh, sammy davis jr and with my other uncle who you know he would do jerry lewis and my uncle alex would do ben crosby and oh my they would gosh. sing you know you know uh, he would do Dean Martin, my, my uncle Alex, and so it was really <laughs> trippy. Amazing. And then he would like they would do a drum solo. They would dress up. They would do a little skit, and they would do like a, a song sounding exactly like you know the people they were. So they were performing like in casinos, and they okay. were performing on tour with a big band uh, in Germany called Hasi Osterwald. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really it was really fun to be around that kind of environment. And so obviously, like you know, whenever I went to school, everyone was still asleep. You know, it was yeah. one of those like kind of fend for yourself kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I learned how to make my own sandwiches very early, um, <laughs> and how to make my way home from school. Oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's all good. It's beautiful. You know, can you imagine like uh, the and also. I, I learned how to uh, joke in adult humor before I even understood <laughs> all the implications of my jokes. I was because, you know, I wanted to you know be entertaining and I wanted to kind of engage with the adults because there were so many around all the time. Yeah, and they I, were uh, funny and entertaining. Yeah, they were funny. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, they laughed at that. I'm not sure what that means, but I'll <laughs> say something like that. Yeah. <laughs> So they probably thought it was this kid with the you know very dry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even know what he's saying. He's hilarious. He doesn't even know what he's saying. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So you eventually end up moving up to California, yeah, and uh, going to school and, and meeting several people who who wanted to. Uh, I guess you, you formed bands with and. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, basically, like I could tell you this really quick short story. So, and uh, Mr. Goldmark's uh, homeroom. Jack Irons was there too, but I spoke very, very little English. And 
And uh, him and Hillel, along with uh, Spencer Rockman and, and uh, uh, Mike Horn, they were huge Kiss fans. So they went the whole nine and dressed up for the talent show, made their own costumes. It looked exactly like Kiss, right? Oh, cool. I was more into Zeppelin and Queen at the time, but anyway. <laughs> and so Jack, so Jack didn't sleep all night. He, he, he basically, like, you know, hours put on the outfit and the makeup made them, you know, their own <laughs> outfit. And so as he's walking down, uh, the, the, the row, I don't know what got into me, but I look at his cot piece, you know, like, right. this, you know, armor cot piece. And I, I'm trying to figure out whether it's actually protective or not. So as he walks by, I kind of punch him and punch him in the dick, you know, <laughs> but, but not really hard, but, but my accuracy was very, very good. And so he goes, ow, you fuck. And then, and then he tells a little afterwards, he goes, this fucking Kid from Mexico, I think. He's punched me in the nuts. He goes, what does he look like? He's like, looks like this. And his name is so. He goes, oh, I heard him play guitar. We should jam with him. He's, re he's really good. <laughs> and so. And, and it, all, so, it all began with a so, punch yeah. of the balls. Yeah, yeah, punch of the balls. Hello, Jack. My name is Al. And then, uh, uh, and so we went over to Jack's house and, uh, and we started jamming. And it was just two guitars and drums. And they had just... Uh, completed, I think, their second year of playing instruments. And I've been playing a long time, but there was something about them and that vibe that I wanted to, like, stick around instead of playing with older kids or because I was, you know, I was pretty damn uh, good already at that age, you know. Okay. Uh, I'd been playing, like, almost 10 years. So, yep. you know, I played flamenco and I played classical and I could play, you know, solos, note for note, and I was already into jazz and all this other stuff. Oh, wow. But anyways, so we started jamming. And uh, we formed, you know, our first uh, little band. I think we called it Chain Reaction or something. And then it wasn't until high school uh, where, you know, we got more serious and we had our bass player, uh, Todd Strassman. And then in 11th grade, uh, we did our first show at the Quad in Reflex High School. Okay. Uh, and then um, uh, Anthony Kiedis was also going at the time, but he was more interested in drama at the time. He was... Uh, performing in all the plays and all this other stuff, but he was our friend. And right. then we also had a friend named uh, Tree, Keith Barry, who now runs Flea's Conservatory, who's an amazing musician. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and he's an amazing, uh, you know, jazz saxophonist, violist. So that was a group of people, you know, friends. Wow. And then Flea, was play Flea, Flea played trumpet at the time, and then Todd decided to uh, concentrate on his study, so we needed a, a bass was, player. And then, what was he thinking? And then, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> well, we, I bet, you know, you're in 11th grade. You don't really know it's going to turn out well. And there would, believe me, there's going to be, there was going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of difficulties as, yeah, as there are with yeah. anyone that decides to do something. Who, who, uh, who could know that a guy named Flea was actually going to be, a, end up being the guy named Flea? Yeah, especially because his name was Michael Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know. But anyway, so 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 he became our bassist. You know, he would he would come to my house and Halal's house and catch up on the tunes. We had three months before the Battle of the Bands of Gazaris, and uh, we came in second. But because the the band that won brought their own audience from Long Beach on a bus, oh, but geez. whatever, that that's all they okay. The clapometer was 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 louder for them. Though we were the superior outfit. That's I, a, that was a real thing, the clapometer. Yeah, that's how you kind of like won the 
Oh my god! You know, I mean, it goes up to a certain. Now you've seen those before. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know. I didn't realize it was called the the clapometer. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it's called, but it looked like it. It it it, it was a meter that measured the loudness of the claps. <laughs> and it, well, so it, from sure. now on, it's the clapometer. Just... <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure it's just a noise uh, a noise gauge. <laughs> uh, so, um, anyway, so yeah, so then then we change our name to Anthem. And then we realized there was an anthem over in the valley, so we had to change it, uh, changed it to anthem with a Y instead of an E. Okay. And then we played. Uh, so then we're in uh, uh, senior year. We played again, and then we started playing in clubs. We opened up Boingo Boingo. Um, you know, it was really cool. That's really awesome. And then we, yeah, yeah. Then we left school and uh, we played around some more. And then Flea left the band to join Fear. We got another bass player, eventually getting Chris Hutchinson, and then the band, that band would become What Is This? And then uh, Anthony and Flea were living together, and then they basically, with Jack and Lowe, formed the Chili Peppers, uh, I think 82 or something. And we would play, sometimes we play shows together, and then, you know, suddenly there was uh, two bands, you know, so we would have to kind of like, you know, work things out. And okay. So you, were, you had guys we, playing in both bands? Yeah, exactly. So, 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 what is this? Was was Chris Hutchinson and Hillel and Jack and I, and the Peppers was uh, Jack and Hillel and Flea and Anthony. So, okay. okay. Uh, um, I remember being at the Donny Bastone's house where there was the the naming of the band happened and then everything and oh yeah yeah and, and being at the first show they just played two songs opening for Gary Allen. So how did they uh, come up with Red Hot Chili Peppers? I've always wondered about that because it's a very Unique name. Yeah, I mean that, that. That I remember. This is my memory of it, and I could be completely just just uh, missing the mark here. But I remember being at Dondi Bastone's house, and and there was a you know there was a, like looking into, you know talking about, it, and there was a jazz book, and there's a Jelly Roll Morton on his Red Hot Chili Peppers was in, on one of the pages, and I think that's that's probably where it came from. Oh, okay. Yeah, unless there's uh, there's something else circulating about that, but that's my memory of it. Um, All right. And so and then so then we got. Uh, after playing more, you know, by then we're like playing, you know, quite a few years of eight, till 83 or whatever. Uh, we get to almost 84 and suddenly we kind of get record deal offers at the same time. Okay. So I think Warner Brothers uh, wanted to send the Peppers and then uh, MCA. But it was called San Andreas Records. Uh, it was kind of like them going into the kind of pre-indie, pre-college, trying to make smaller label, you know? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And so San Andreas Records, if it's a hit, it's our fault. That's not already oh, should have known. But uh, and then there's like, uh, the logo is like this hand coming up from the San Andreas uh, crack with a holding vinyl. I was like, oh God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so, so then there was a powwow and then Halal and Jack decided to stay with What Is This? Okay. Um, and so, and so the first, uh, Chili Peppers record, they got Cliff Martinez and Jack Sherman. And we did our first, uh, uh, record was Jack to an EP with Dave Jordan producing. And, and that's so the that, squeezed EP, right? That's squeezed. Yeah, exactly. I was listening to that. That's really good. I like that yeah. a lot.
yes, really. I mean, then we did the next one. Uh, I actually prefer Squeezed um, only because the next one was produced by Todd Runger. And so there's some good songs. Only the experience was kind of a bummer. Todd was, uh, wasn't very helpful and was kind of you know, in a bad Bad, bad place, yeah. I've heard that right. from another person who worked with him. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Zadarovny from Blink of the Star was talking to yeah. me about that. And then he said Rundgren actually convinced him not to record an album. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, what? you can ask Andy Partridge about about how difficult it was, you know, from XTC. Right, right. Um, but it all depends. Like, obviously, Todd is an extremely talented man and 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 quite a genius in his own right. It's just when you catch him, depends when you catch him, yeah. there's a certain amount of like, like, uh, I don't know, bitterness or, or just like, he just wasn't very helpful. We were really young and, uh, and they kind of steered the ship into like us recording a cover of a spinner song, which ended up actually <laughs> doing pretty good up the charts. And we were an American bandstand and the whole thing. Oh, wow. The problem was that, that, that anyone that liked that song would listen to the rest of our music, which is kind of this weird, angular, psychedelic, blues funk, weirdo thing. Right. And and not get it at all. And our fans from Squeeze would, would go like, what the hell happened to you? What, what are you thinking? You know? <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of a loose, loose for us, um, even though it, I got to. I can say I got to be on American Bandstand, so that's really cool. That's true. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, wearing wearing the most awful giant blue suit with big shoulders <laughs> at the time. <laughs> it seemed like a good idea. I gotta look. Is there is there some YouTube anywhere? Because I didn't see this. Oh yes, there is. Oh, I'm gonna have uh, to find that. I just I just recently found it somewhere. Uh, so the song's called I'll Be Around. You know, whatever you call me, I'll be there. Anyway, okay, yeah, so, yeah. So, when, so when the label shows up, you know, after this really difficult time making this record, now Halal leaves in the middle of this. Natasha and I had already met, you know. Right. Um, she, she had come from Russia. Yeah, she had she'd, uh, she'd basically defected from Russia uh, and she had gotten assigned to Motown. As she said she would when she was 15 and everyone laughed in her face, a little skinny Jewish girl saying, <laughs> I'm going to go to America. I'm going to get signed to Motown. And the shit, it happened. Um, she got to jam with Stevie. She got to meet Marvin Gaye. You know, wow. uh, she got to coach. Uh, uh, also, you know, uh, Barry Gordy would ask her to to come help produce vocals. You know, oh get, wow, get, and uh, you know, because you know, she was just a fucking genius all along. Yeah. Um. So I said that actually that happened. So she she had come at around the same time as me, like in the '75. Oh, okay. But we didn't get to meet until. Uh, 84, where uh, our, in high school we had this friend of ours, Aaron Jacobus, um, who was our manager, and then uh, he ended up becoming A&R at uh, A&M Records. Okay, and, I, I uh, thought that name sounded familiar. I, yeah. I I made a habit of reading liner notes. That's, yeah. that's why I've always loved vinyl and, and even CDs because I would go through and I would and if I remember, that's actually how I discovered Eleven was reading liner notes from one of the uh, albums that I had 
recently purchased. Oh, awesome. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's how I found some of my favorite bands is reading the liner notes and whoever that band would be thanking, I'd say, oh, if these guys like this band, I should go check them out. So, oh, that's cool. That's a good, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So anyway, yes. so I'm sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, no worries, no worries. So, so I mean, we can go into the whole, you know, the t- meeting Natasha, but basically Aaron saw her on TV. She was in entertainment tonight because she was acting too. And uh, um, she all she was talking about was music. And so he found her compelling. And, you know, and so he... He had he found her at a meeting, and in the meeting, she basically said, "I just need to find uh, need to you to help me find somebody who can be my musical collaborator." You know, right, right. And he 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 didn't think of me first. He thought of like, I think he mentioned me like later, but but she probably thought you know some guy that plays you know came from Mexico plays Mexico. She she said, "I know that's it." So she met a bunch <laughs> of a uh, bunch of people with gold records on the walls, and like and she's like, "Oh my god, these guys." And they have no musical talent, but never mind. Well, anyway, she had, she had perfect pitch and 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 yeah, amazing and, talent. Well, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Perfect pitch. She she wasn't too stoked about it, but that's what she had. She could listen to a piece of music and remember everything, and every and everyone played just by one time. And when she actually almost saw music, and and um, it was really tricky. It, it took her a while, like you know, to get used to certain things that I would play her or music that I liked. That mm-hmm. had like either wasn't in concert pitch. Plus, she preferred like four forty three instead of four forty. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, it's like it, it was really, really trippy. But she, she never, she never, you know, it was something that just she had no choice over. She was just born with it, right? You know, just to and also, she an extremely, um, I mean, so incredibly musical. Like she, she basically didn't need a piano to compose. She could just write in her head, and she'd sit there like kind of like eyes closed and fingering the air and then like making choices without even, you know, she's like, no, no. Yeah. Well, that could be cool. No, uh, uh, you know, wow. and, and then she just go to the piano and play it. I'd be like, Oh God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's why, that's why it works so well because I'm like the total opposite. I'm just kind of like this, uh, you know, I, I just, I just had like a really early experience with the only teacher I ever had. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, he was kind of a sadist and used to hit me when oh, I was like six. And I came home and I told, I mean, meaning like not beat me up like that. He was just like right. had a ruler. And then if, if I didn't make the bar chord, like if, the, if it buzzed a little bit, he'd be like, that's not how you make a bar chord. I'm like, I'm like oh. six years old. Oh. The guitar's big. Yeah. I, my, my finger isn't big enough. You know, like one of those things. <laughs> the guitar's so, so big and my hands are so small. I, yeah. But, so I came home and like I told my mom, I don't want to learn music like that. And so I just decided to just be the ear, ear guy. I just listened to Trillions of hours of music and, <laughs> and and watch as many shows as I can. And I just observe and I try to kind of resonate and, and, and kind of tune into the vibration of the situation. And that's how I learned to be a musician. You know, oh, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. And another similarity that you guys that you had with Natasha is that her family was extremely musical. Mm hmm. So her, I mean, they were musical. They were musical in a whole other level of way. Right. Let, like, uh, not like virtuosos, her brother yeah. was an incredible pianist. Her dad, who survived all of them, you know, he's still alive. He's like in his nineties now. Oh, wow! Just an absolute genius, uh, bayan player. Um, which is a really rare. I mean, you've seen them. Have you ever seen the accordions with buttons? But they have so many fucking buttons. So yes, the, yeah. So that that's like really the same. Big. 
really big. And so he's got the entire range of, uh, of like the piano, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And wow. so basically oh, he, since he was a kid, he would tour solo, solo shows. Oh, wow. Playing Tchaikovsky and Rachmaninoff on the, on, you know, note for note, not like arrangements That's on cool. the young, you know, so total. And her mom was an incredible singer. They used to be go on tour in Soviet in the Soviet Union, and one of the few artists that were allowed to do solo concerts because they were so they were, you know short list of about ten. Oh my god! Artists, and they would perform like in Siberia without a PA for like five thousand people. So she had this voice Whoa. that could like that could carry. I mean, I tried to record her once, and I it just like every. You know, I had to put the mic like 20 feet away because <laughs> <laughs> her dynamic range was so insane that like, it was wow. impossible. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, we had that in common. And then, of course, you know, I had this really trippy dream that uh, I, I was going to meet her. That's a, that's the short version of it. Right. You know, the, in, the, in the dream, I'm going to meet her. And Aaron decides to just bring her over to the house because Aaron would always just pop over, you know, and so brings her to the house and my mom opens the door and I told her the dream. So Natasha remembers my mom looking really like, whoa, you know, and then, yeah. and then Natasha and I met and, and within like, you know, I kind of like, we almost recognize each other in a way. That and then we just amazing. started, yeah, we basically just started. So, so when we're making the wrong record, I've got this photo of Natasha that I'm looking at on the, you know, bunk bed that taped it to the top of the bunk bed. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we basically, you know, write a song for her on that record and, and then get back. And then she joins the band because Hillel had left during the t Rundgren record. He leaves so, so, back to the Peppers. So Hillel, mm -hmm. Hillel leaves um, and, and comes. Now, does he come? He comes back and, and the, you've had guys come back and forth between uh, what is this and the Chili Peppers on multiple yeah, occasions, right? Yeah, no, it's just just the one. So basically, like those guys decided, you know, and then and then once Natasha joined the band, and then Rob Potters was there too, and then you know Dave Jordan, uh, we were doing pre-production and we started recording, and then he suddenly decided to take on the CB Ray Vaughn project, and oh. kind of since we we're friends, he says, okay, we'll you know we'll resume in three months, and in that time, Jack left. So basically. Um, Hillel left already in the middle of the second album, the self-titled, the Rundgren. Yeah. Because you, I could see him concentrating on his tunes, and him and Todd kind of had this like secret thing going, and he'd spend a lot of time with Hillel's songs and whatever. Uh, okay. Um, and then Hillel, like at you know towards the before we even left, he said, you know, I'm going to go to the Peppers. And then Jack stuck around for a little while, but it, you know, but then he left too. So yeah. that, that, that third, what is this record ended up being walk the moon. Cause what we did is we finished it just the two of us and we changed direction and used drum machines and just kind of concentrated on the, what would become 11 in, in terms of the widening the palette of the songwriting and making it a little bit more like pop based, but with also elements of like, neoclassical harmony and weird weirdness and okay. soul and RB. Yeah. Okay. So that, that makes a little more sense. Cause I was, I was always wondering why with so many guys coming in and out of what is this to the chili peppers, why you never went to the chili peppers? Um, well, I was never supposed to be um, a part of it. You know, those guys started the band and, and then once uh, hello and Jack decided to stay with me, I think, I think Lee and Anthony were kind of, 
not very happy with uh, me, even though I, even though I didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> they they decided they they were totally free to. I didn't say please stay and don't go. To, you know, they decided, and so right. um, it's maybe you know maybe because there was that kind of brotherhood thing from um, us meeting so many years before. You know. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, um, and also, it was kind of a little bit square um, in the sense that I didn't, I didn't, I, I you know, I, I kept staying at my grandmother's, you know, with my sister. Yeah. My mom was traveling a lot. And, and you know, just first of all, one part of me was like, you know, they were being more rebellious and like, yeah, get out of the house. We'll start, you know, we'll go live on our own. Right. But also, I've never been one for, for drugs or that lifestyle, you know. Right, right, yeah. And so, because uh, I was, you know, I started to notice... You know, sometimes like the rehearsals weren't as good as they used to be because there'd be a bit of partying going on and, and like there, there wasn't as much uh, seriousness or the you know, people weren't feeling well. And, yeah. Um, you know, and event, you know, eventually it's, it ends badly for too yeah. many people. And so we, we, you know, we made that Walk the Moon record. We, you know, got on MTV. Jordan did that record. Um, Natasha um, had this strange... You know, as as prodigious and the genius as she was, she had this weird stage fright thing. So we didn't play. I, I was used to playing like a hundred shows a year because yeah. I had my jazz band. I had a little improv band with Joe Berardi called the Dwindle Brothers. Oh, cool! Um, I would do like uh, you know some music for plays, live improvisation with ebos and tape uh, tape loops. Oh, that's awesome! Um, Ebo stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I got my Ebo when it came out in '76. I was just like, you know. Oh man, I still have it. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. Oh it, really? That's... It's it's a it's kind of like chrome faded uh, paint, and and it's it's a, the first one, so it's kind of anemic. So oh, when you man. put it on the string, you put it on the string, and it goes. Uh... <laughs> <It's like that>. <laughs> <laughs> But it still works. Yeah. I do that when I get out of bed. Oh, yeah. It's like that. Yeah. It's like that. That, that 1976 Evo. Yeah. Okay. So, so, wait. So, wait. So, so basically, she, she, you know, so it took me, so it took me a while to get to, I had to, have to be patient. So, for about three years uh, or two years, I think, I just kept like, you know, chipping away at, at like, at her, uh, uh, come on, we got to do a show. And, and, and then finally she agreed, like, and then she couldn't sleep for four months before. But then we played our oh first God. Walk the Moon acoustic show, and she fucking kills it. Oh, man. She's slaying, and I'm nervous now. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, and then, then after that, she never looked back, and she just had this amazing live intensity. Um, so then we go to the third. I mean, we go to do the second Walk the Moon record um, with David Lord producing, and that goes terribly wrong. Oh, for many gosh. reasons, uh, he was just, you know, he was a weirdo. And uh, <laughs> and in the middle, of, while we're stuck in England, in, in, in Bath, like, you know, we're one of the worst uh, summers where there's no sun at all. Oh, and we're overlooking a cemetery from the apartment by the studio, then Halal dies, you know. Yeah, oh, so your entire time there is, is almost like a like the cover for Black yeah. Sabbath's first album. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's that grim. And there's like sun, like one half day in the, in the entire four months that we're there oh god and so so then and so then jack left uh quit the peppers after her died yeah i went into a tailspin and had a nervous breakdown and you know and uh then we kind of regrouped and then when jack got better that's when we formed 11 so then natasha him and i 
formed eleven in nineteen ninety ish, you know. Yeah. Right. Um right. and uh and then of course we did, you know, then we just keep going from there. If you want to, get, I can just. Keep going <laughs> out. But it's not really this uh, a conversation. It's just me yapping. <laughs> well, that, that that's all right because I, I love hearing the stories of of how you, you got to where you are today. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I was that I, I like to do when I prepare for a show is go back and listen to as much of your back catalog as I can. And I was right. listening to the very first eleven album. And, yes. <laughs> and I hear to, to me, my untrained pitch, incredibly imperfect ears. I hear a lot of like a Mike Patton influence in, in your vocals specifically. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I used to, that, that kind of just happened because of, uh, um, I don't think I was aware of Mike uh, at that time yet, but, uh, um, it's just something to do with, um, with how people's throats are built. Uh, when I was younger, I used to get a lot of, uh, uh, Ian Anderson, just the tall, oh, you know, really? and Jack, uh, Jack Bruce from, from cream um, days and stuff. But, uh, I, w- I don't think I became aware of Mike until maybe three, four years later. Okay. Um, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely one of those like coincidences, you know, it's just one of those weird things. It's like, and, and one of the other things that I've noticed vocally is, uh, one of the things that actually always kind of drew me into 11 was, uh, the, the quality of Natasha's vocals. It, it's, and, and I'm yeah. going to make this comparison because, it, but it's not because it sounds the same. It's just the style is very similar to one of my favorite singers, uh, uh, Johnette Napolitano. Yeah, and, and and the quality, the way she sings, you, you know, it, it's the the tone. Maybe I guess it's it's. It, I, I I loved it, and it it. Uh, I don't know. It's just just something that about it that really draws me in the the inflection in the voice, and maybe it's yeah. I, I can't really even put my she, finger on it, but yeah, she has, you know, Natasha has a really amazing texture and she grew up with, um, R and B, you know, so she grew up on Aretha and Stevie and Donny Hathaway, you know, and she was on science of Motown, but you know, she also, li- you know, listened to Zeppelin and, 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 uh, Hendrix and all that other stuff. So she just had this quality in her voice. And, and also, because uh, her singing came from being a musician more than just being a singer, so so she had access to, you know, using it like an instrument and, and the vibrato and and then when the texture you know got deeper, because you know she could sing she had a really huge range and then later on it got lower and lower where she could even resonate in notes lower than me, you know. Oh wow! And so very often in the Eleven records it sounds like. You know, somebody singing really low, and, and it was very often Natasha. You know, this this ability to, um, you know, three three tracks of her singing they ended up sounding like ten people. You know, like Jeez. a choir or something. Yeah, and there's that like that, that, like that husky quality sometimes in her voice, mm-hmm. like uh, like like Janet. Particularly, I was listening yeah. today to a uh, song "Get Me Down," and yeah, and then that kind of clicked, and that that's when I made that 
just just today. Listen, it's, that's when I kind of yeah. made that association. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so you yeah, guys so, are you guys are, are are touring at this point. Now, I, is this when you get, you you meet up with the guys in Soundgarden? Yeah. Well, basically, what happened is that um, Eddie Vedder was a, a friend of Jack's. You know, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so, uh, so he's, 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 you know, we're hanging out and, and he comes to shows and he's got bands in San Francisco. Um, and then, uh, Stone and Jeff reach out to Jack before starting Pearl Jam to be the drummer, but we had just formed 11. <clears throat> so he said, you know, thank you. You know, let's just start this band. And, but my friend Eddie, you know, you should, you should try him out. He's a great singer. And so, so did, Eddie goes up and did of you course, know Eddie at this know, point. Yes, yes, we, okay. we we knew each other. Yeah, we we'd go camping on camping trips. And, oh, that's crazy! Uh, and um, and so we go. Um, so basically, we you know first record, and then Pearl Jam does the first record, and then this tour comes up, and we get the tour. It's uh, it's uh, would be eleven opening, then Nirvana, uh, and then the Peppers. So we had that tour pretty much in the bag, and but then Pearl Jam's. Uh, label was much more powerful than ours um and so they started taking dates away so pearl jam started doing it and then they get more dates away and eventually all that was left was a few dates in california and then at that point we're just kind of like too proud and we're, <laughs> and we're like you know what that's nah, fine fuck it just, you know no yeah <laughs> so then the, and then all we, and then the first thing that happens when pearl jam goes out on the road on their own after that uh, is they invite us which is really sweet. That was nice. And so <laughs> we spent most of that year opening for Pearl Jam. Um, okay. 91. And then at that point, you know, we were listening to Bad Motorfinger nonstop. Oh, and great it, album. It, it tur- yeah. And it, it turns out that those guys were aware of 11 because Kim used to play What Is This as a DJ. Oh, um, cool. But back in the day. And, uh, That's crazy. and so basically, so basically we, you know, we meet and we get along amazingly and then they invite us to open for them. And so we started to open up for Soundgarden. Now, you know, we end up, uh, all, you know, all, pretty much all the labels that we had except for A&M and the, you know, the end, there was amazing people, uh, that were passionate about 11, uh, but, but there was just never like a focused, just one or two people. And, and then we got kind of thrown under a lot of, uh, mistakes and we weren't properly pushed to the point where we were never released overseas so we'd go play you know for thousands of people that were and, and making fans every single night but then they had no option of going to find our records at the time you know no. at least at least not in the local stores but no. really the, the the way that we were exposed was through the kindness and and the support and friendship with uh pearl jam and then Soundgarden. who took us on the road a lot you know yeah and yeah now, is what before we go any further with this, I do have to ask you a question because I, I, I've wondered this. What's the reason behind the name Eleven? Well, <laughs> there's a few things which which tie in, but but Natasha and I started to to just trip out on eleven eleven, the number eleven eleven. It would show up all the time. Okay, it would you know we'd either like there was a multiple eleven or or it you could. You know, cut the numbers down to eleven. Our phone numbers, the addresses. We would look at the clock at eleven, eleven, and all this other stuff. You know. Okay. But also, Jack was born with eleven toes, 
Oh, really? Um, <laughs> See, so we learn six, something every day on this show. Yeah, he had six and one and one foot, five and the other. Yeah, I kind of removed a little. I think it was non-operational, little dude. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and so just a number of, of reasons for that. And then that was that, you know, a lot of people think it was the spinal tap. But this guy was to 11. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, uh, the 11 11 is, is, it's just always showed up. As a matter of fact, Natasha passed away at exactly 11 11 in the morning, which is absolutely insane. That when, is, I, I, know, I, when, I read that and I, I almost didn't believe it. it that's, that's, yeah, unbelievable. No, I was at 11 in the morning. She started, like, I was holding her and she started taking like one breath a minute or so. And, and then the last breath was at eleven, eleven, and and I was just like, "Oh my God, are you fucking kidding me!" Yeah. It's just, you know, that gives um, me chills. I mean, I mean, there's there's like there's a few different uh, significances in terms of like uh, mythology or whatever, and also it's supposed to be angel numbers, and it's supposed to be like a twice a day the membrane between this reality and the others is very thin, and there's all kinds of like there's an eleven, eleven society. But, oh, really? but you know, for, for yeah, for us, we you know we don't we didn't really like we're not good in organized groups unless there's cake and coffee. <laughs> but uh, um, so we were just like more, more tripping about what it meant to us and and how it, the synchronicity of it and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, so you you come out with the self titled album and then mm-hmm. you guys are touring and let's see. Then Thunk comes out, right? So it gets- yeah, so we're, we're we're touring. Um, Reach out. We did a, a, a really cool video, uh, and uh, for Reach out with Randy, our friend Randy San Nicholas, and then um, we did one for Crash today. Um, uh, God, I forgot his name. Now. He's a really good uh, director. I'll remember in a second. Um, but they're not really like it's not. It's on MTV. Beavis and Butthead pick up on on uh, Reach out. But it just somehow, I remember you know, that. yeah, um, <laughs> they, they said I look like a weird, like a weird goth boy, George or something. I forgot what they said. It, oh looked, my, it was pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't really an exaggeration. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then we were doing thunk, uh, recording thunk. And, um, so, you know, our friendship with, 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 uh, Soundgarden is really deep at this point. They sent us a copy of super unknown like on vinyl test pressing before it comes out. And we just listen oh, wow. to it over and over being blown away. And then, um, you know, we're touring opening with them, you know, Tad, uh, uh, Tad's there's, um, oh, wow. Moby, you know, throughout the years. Um, we do that, uh, that really funny interview where Ben's brother, Henry directed pretty news, um, for down the upside. Right. Yeah. And he had this idea to 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 do like this pretend classical musicians interviewing Soundgarden, and and they, they, he didn't tell him this was going to go down. And then so we just <laughs> we just show up and improvise and speak with accents and give them terrible grief about how loud they are. And when and when that stuff first aired, you know showed up on YouTube, people were just the hate comments were so hilarious because they actually I mean, we did such a good job that everyone thought it was for real oh, and like, what a bunch God. of dicks you know <laughs> well natasha wasn't no idea. It, was, it, it was it was us i mean it's obviously 
uh, <laughs> but then again, I guess I guess when 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 Spinal Tap first came out, some people were confused too. I mean, I remember being in the theater and there were some people like going, "What?" You know? Yeah. <laughs> that, which, by the way, um, that's one of my favorite favorite movies of all time. Oh my god! And you know what? You can watch it again and again and again, like, and it'll forever be awesome. Oh yeah! I mean, it came out what nineteen eighty. And yeah, it, and it's, really early on, right? Eighty, eighty-one. I forgot now. Yeah, early. And it, you can sit down and watch it, and it's still just as hilarious today as it was. It is. It is. And and so you know, so yeah, so thunk, um, and then the same thing happens, you know, and we're kind of now. It's only, it's only like uh, you know, our our buddies that are keeping eleven alive. Yeah. So we ended up like you know getting dropped from Hollywood. And we were kind of really stoked about that. Yeah, and and Jack left to go tour with or play with Pearl Jam during the recording. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, and then I'm, I'm glad he did because you know he finally got to make you know make some money and you know be be playing in front of a lot of people. But Wait, before I, we, we, yeah, I, I was gonna say not not. I mean, you re, his replacement wasn't too bad because I think you got Matt Cameron to come in and play on what four tracks. Yeah, well, so so there's a story behind that. This is kind of basically like you know before we 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 started their album, you know, we had a feeling that Eddie was going to try to get Jack in Pearl Jam, you know, right? And and uh, so we kind of said to Jack, like you know, maybe maybe you should just call him and just make this happen because imagine you know Jack is such a force of nature and such a unique. Uh, for you know, basically voice, and mm-hmm. he's so tied into the core and the fiber of eleven that if we had a, uh, had more time to prepare and and try to find somebody, if he's not going to you know stick around, then maybe we could find somebody to to hopefully assimilate into the band in some way that would be good too, you know. Right. right. Uh, but no, he said no, no, no. You know, I'm doing this record with you. You know, I'm in the I'm in the band, and then. I think it was Captain Crunch was calling for Jack at the studio, you know, on the studio all the time. Okay. And and we're like Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. <laughs> it's like oh, Eddie's calling to get Jack in the bed. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then so the last, the last, uh, you know, do the last uh, uh, of the, the drum takes. I mean, we we finished the drums out, and then you know, our friend Gersh, who's Jack's tech and works with uh, Dave Grohl too, and uh, known him forever. He's packing down the drums. I'm like, oh God, no, yeah. no, I'm so sorry. I didn't know at the time, and now I uh, So anyway, so then we we take four of the most badass Jack Irons drum songs, which are the Thunk B sides. You know, Echo, Midnight Gong, Took Me for a Ride, and uh, uh, Monster. Mm-hmm. And we we take him off the record, and we call my camera and go, dude, you want to be in the load? You know, just for this <laughs> a few songs. <laughs> so. So he flies down, and we do Y and No Ground and Seasick of You and uh, one other one I forget now. Um, Big Sleep.
Okay. And so we put those, and then eventually, uh, you know, ended up like kind of showing up on on YouTube the the, the funk B sides, which I still want to release at some point officially because they're pretty incredible. So all of yes. us playing live in the room and adding the vocal later, you know, it's just got this amazing. Really shows the power of the band. That yeah. And then yeah, and so then um, so right around that time. Uh, we go on tour with Soundgarden for a bit, I think, or maybe it was like Candlebox, or we open up. We do some some tours. We, okay, so we find Greg, Greg Upchurch, at right, Guitar Center. I, yeah, I go in to buy some heads, and Greg, and I remember getting, you know, we get fan mail, right? And uh, and I remember Greg from Oklahoma, really sweet letter. <laughs> and uh, it was it was in my mind, you know, it's like I remembered. And so so Greg is working at the counter at Guitar Center. A drum counter, and he goes, "Oh my God, dude, you're my favorite band. You're my name is Greg," and I'm like, "Greg from Oklahoma," <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Yes, how'd you know?" I go, "Dude, just I remember your letter." Oh my anyway, gosh! Anyway, so then we auditioned. We auditioned drummers, and then uh, uh, a lot of amazing drummers. Dave Laboriel that plays with uh, Junior, that plays with Paul McCartney. Okay. Um, yeah, we jam with Dave. We, we jam with Brain and Greg, and then in the end it was it was Greg, and so Greg became our drummer. Um, and so we went on tour supporting Thunk, then Soundgarden. So, so, so then we, we basically leave Hollywood records and son, and Chris calls in that and says, okay, we're doing a, a two month tour of Europe. And we're like, dude, you know, uh, we, we just, we just, uh, got, got uh, dropped and we don't have any money to come on tour and no tour support. Yeah. And he's like, uh, okay, uh, let me call you back. And he calls back and like, 15 minutes and he goes okay like i said let's go you're coming on tour wow he's like so wait what, what happened he goes oh well we each chipped in 15 grand and uh we got you your tour support and you're coming on tour and oh. our crew is gonna, gonna take care of you so, i mean no one's ever done that for any it's just amazing that's incredible. so yeah so we went on that tour uh that was a tour with moby uh moby had his uh it's kind of like heavy funky right, band right, you yeah know. <laughs> And uh, it was the, that was the la- that was the last tour. Then then after Soundgarden disbanded at that point, and then and then Chris comes and stays with us. Um, we had already moved into the uh, 11AD house, but we didn't have a full studio. We just had a little setup, so we ended up recording uh, Sun Shower. That's the one that ended up on, yes. the, on the soundtrack, right? The yes, Great Expectations. the Great Expectations soundtrack, yeah. And and then he is hanging out, and then he invites Al Cafaro over, the president of A&M, because they were signed to A&M. Right. And his finished plan is to, you know, for, for us to meet and for us to play <laughs> Al some of our music and to, you know, to get signed to A&M. Right, yeah. So we could be label buddies. And so I was like, oh, I love this. And you come out to my office. So, you know, they offer us a record deal. And it's, uh, it was 200 grand, you know, which is, you know, t- today would be like, oh, my God, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And back then it was incredible, too. But, but you know, it wasn't like the biggest deal, but it was an amazing deal. Right, right. And so, and Natasha and I, you know, be, being who we are, <laughs> we, we go, we go, uh, we need to come and talk to you about this, uh, you know. 
It's like, oh, we have to talk about uh, about talk about producers and studios and and engineers and about that, Al. Um, see, the thing is, we think we can do this on our own because we've been around studios all our lives. And so, what we're proposing is, you give us the two hundred thousand dollars as a PO to uh, West LA Music, and we buy the studio. And we make the record ourselves at home. And then we just, like, <laughs> you know, like have this face like uh, And he's sitting there and he's kind of scratchy beard looking up at the ceiling going, that's crazy. I like it. I like it. Absolutely. Um, call Business Affairs. Tell tell him to, you know, give you the P.O. Oh, my God. And so we call Business Affairs and she's like, you're high. There's no way that's impossible. <laughs> and I call Al back. Al, she doesn't believe me. And then she goes, OK. And then I get a call from her and she's like, what store again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're selling music. OK, cool. so we go. In, <laughs> I go in and get like 200 grand, like, you know. <laughs> God. It's like I just go uh, the uh, that Neves uh, and the APIs and the Neumanns and the this and and then when it comes time to the cables I'm like forty thousand dollars for cables are you crazy oh, well of course you, you know cable up a whole studio you know wow it's like okay well like, give me half of the good ones and then half of the cheap ones yeah <laughs> so you know and so and that's so so I, a recording I, at your at your house yeah. then. Yeah, so 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 we put the, the studio together. Uh, uh, so we ba- basically, like, I think uh, um, we got the uh, the gear came on a Tuesday, and by Thursday, I just I just didn't sleep. I just took everything out. I set it up, and we started recording. We started recording Avant Guard Dog. Oh my gosh! And we finished Avant Guard Dog. Chris uh, came down um, to start doing some pre-pro for his album because he he was uh, he wanted to like you know get our take and then help with Natasha to help arrange stuff and then we ended up writing some stuff you know like a mission and uh, disappearing one okay, and yeah. pillow of your bones um, oh, that's one of my favorite songs off that album yeah and and so we ended up writing the music and then he would come up with a melody and lyrics for that and we'd work on stuff together. So we did a few quick recordings uh, with this studio that we now had done Oven Guard Dog with, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he's supposed to start working with Daniel Lenoir as producing, oh, as producer. Boy. And uh, and then a couple of days before he's supposed to start, uh, Daniel Lenoir's people call, uh, call and say, well, you know, he's cleared his schedule. He's taking a, a break and whatever. And Chris is like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Jeez. And Natasha's like, what do you mean? What we, We're going to start recording tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to do it here. Come on, That's let's do this. Awesome. You know? And so he's like, OK, let's do it. And so but it was total secret. So so in the beginning, nobody knew what the hell, except a few of uh, Chris's closest. Yeah. Um, and and so we just started recording you for your morning, you know, just like that. That's crazy. You know what? I remember when rumors were circulating, you know, after Soundgarden had broken up and and uh, there was word was leaking out that Chris was going to be doing a solo album. I remember 
hearing that it was coming out soon. So you guys have done your work and, and I guess the album was being mixed and it wasn't a secret anymore. And right. I remember hearing that it was coming out and I walked into a record store and I hear this song and I'm like, I wonder if this is it. And it, it turns out it, it actually was not. I, I, right. It was, it, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Big Wreck with Ian Thorne. Yeah, of course. Ian's a really close friend. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yes. Ian, yeah, yeah. I heard this song, um, By the Way, off of the uh -huh. In Loving Memory of album. And I thought it was Chris's, I thought it was something off of Chris's new album. And right. Like, this is going to be amazing. This is great. I got to get it. <laughs> and well, it was, Ian's absolutely, he's a monster. He's so incredible. Oh, yeah, his absolutely. voice is unreal. But I, I mistook it for, for Chris. And it, it's funny because when uh, Euphoria Morning finally did come out, I, I actually bought Big Rex album before then. And uh, I listened to it, I'm like, okay, well, obviously this isn't Chris. So I'll just wait till the album comes out. And when it, when Euphoria Morning came out, it, it actually took me a little while to get into it because years before I had a bootleg and I, I hate telling musicians that I had bootlegs. I don't know why. <laughs> I hate telling no, you. No, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this one called Stolen Prayers. And it had three songs that Chris had done and had written for other artists, but that he had recorded himself. And it was right. Stolen Prayer, um, Heart Fist, and Unholy War. And yeah. that set my, that gave me a preconceived notion of what a Chris Cornell solo album was going to sound like. And it right, basically right. It was just, you know, Soundgarden minus Kim's, you know, crazy weird noodling. And so yeah. when Euphoria Morning came out, I was like, well, this doesn't sound like that at all. And mm -hmm. so I, I started giving it more and more of a listen. And then I read, you know, was reading the liner notes and found out that Wave Goodbye was written for Jeff Buckley. And I love Jeff Buckley. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. But it took me a little while to, to get into it. And what really turned the corner for me was actually when the, the very special Christmas came out and you guys had done a version of Ave Maria. That to me was so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things I've, I've heard on on record. And oh, thank you. Well, that song means a lot to me. You know, I, I, I yeah, I'm a, a born and raised Catholic, and so you mm -hmm. know that that song has a special place for me. And my wife loves this. It, it means a lot to her as well. She's got other other mm -hmm. meanings behind it. And when I heard that your version of it, I went, this this is incredible. Let me go. Let me let me pull out the album again because I saw Chris Cornell with Alan Johannes and and Natasha Snyder. Natasha Snyder, yeah. I know those. I know those guys. I know. <laughs> let me go check this out again. And so I started listening and then picking up the eleven albums after that, and and just really, it, it really that's the song that really turned it for me with Chris's solo Interesting. stuff. Interesting. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, it's funny because uh, you know we had this. Well, when we met, there was this kind of a cross uh, pollination thing that happened, creative inspiration. Like, uh, uh, you know, we sounded heavier than our first record anyway. It's just the way that it was produced and recorded. Okay. But but we really, really, you know, being inspired by, by, by Soundgarden and, and, and being able to like, like see, see how to 
you know, be still be raw and, and heavy, but have beauty inside it, you know? Right. And so, you know, so, so basically like, uh, 11, 11 self-titled and, and thunk, you know, they have this, this, this melodic quality with, with, with heavy music. And the same thing happened, you know, obviously Sun Garden as well. And Chris always had that in him. But at the same time, you know, we explored that together. And it was really all about like finding these these uh, many worlds, many universes that each song uh, demanded, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and as you, you know, if you listen to Euphoria Morning, every single song has a, almost a slightly different. It's all Chris, but every every single uh texture of his voice and and tonality and how he's singing is is completely serving that song and you know and that was it was so much fun and such an incredible period uh in our lives where we were able to be free to explore these things and not not be afraid not 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 care about expectations or you know putting limits on what we could do we could do anything we wanted to you know and i think i think uh, Chris, you trusted us so much, and <clears throat> we had such a amazing triumvirate. You know, the three of us had, had such an incredible uh, chemistry and flow that we, you know, we just had this amazing fun for seven months at the house, just having people come <laughs> come come and play drums and and you know and uh, guests here, guests there, and just exploring each <coughs> each song. <coughs> you know, and sometimes we. And by seven months, I don't mean like we were working twenty four seven. Literally, <laughs> whenever it, it, it was, you know, we could have we could spend a whole day just finding a guitar sound and trying different things. Natasha, of course, rolling her eyes. Come on, it sounded good eight hours ago, <laughs> you know. Because uh, like, you know, well, we didn't try the fifty seven, the Princeton through the thing. It's you know. <laughs> Let me get my Ebo. Uh, yeah, the Ebo with the <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, and sometimes we just go to the beach, we go to the movies, or we'd talk, or we'd watch Faulty Towers, or, you know. Whatever. Oh, another great uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it was uh, it was really, really incredible. And, and you know, I, I we knew that it was going to be kind of shocking for a lot of people. Oh, um, yeah. But, you know, the, uh, but the amazing thing to me is that that album really set Chris up to be the the, the such – a, a mega star because it set it tore down the the, the expectations of, of Soundgarden fans and it, you know he can do so much more than just that than just be yeah. super heavy and every I, I don't think he could have done what he did in with especially with his solo work after that uh, without that album without Euphoria Morning I don't think he would have been as uh, I, I don't think his other albums would have been as good without this one well i mean all of us grew from that experience you know um you know and then and then the basically like it was just because of the 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 the, the friendship core of, of the situation and not having uh people breathing down our necks or or whatever and i remember like when after it came out and a little period time passed it's uh, 700 uh a thousand copies were sold Jeez. and how like how like the business people were like yeah, well, it was kind of a dud. It's kind of a <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, like it didn't do as well. You know, it can happen. It's just you know, people used to bands, blah blah blah. 
Oh. And we're all looking at each other going, what the fuck are you talking about? 700,000 copies, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, like, you know, this day, you know, I mean, like today would be just be whatever. But at the time, it was like people were like kind of like, yeah, well, okay. Well, you tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you go from yeah. doing Euphoria Morning to working with Queen of the Stone Age? Okay. Well, so ba- uh, so basically um, – Avant-garde dog was sitting on the on the uh, uh, just sitting there. We finished it before Euphoria Morning. Okay. It came out after Euphoria Morning, but because you know you remember, it stayed with us. He he got assigned. We got the studio. We recorded Avant-garde dog. Then he came, and then we started Euphoria Morning. And AM basically asked us to, if it was at all possible, to postpone the release of our record so we could be on hand. And we could be his band and we could do all that okay. stuff. And we were, you know, we we're like, of course, of course. I mean, you know, we understood that. And yes, absolutely. Right. Um, but sadly, <laughs> we've, you know, we finished the Euphoria Morning Tour and now we're ready for, uh, you know, uh, to come out. Um, and A&M gets bought. Akafara calls us and says, it's the last day of A&M. Uh, oh. Natasha, Chris, Al, come get drunk with me. Sting is coming. Cheryl Crow's coming. We got champagne. Oh, so we, we we ended up spending the entire evening with Al and his wife and at a restaurant drinking bottles of wine, one after the other. Um, and so then so we were, so they were sitting there uh, just kind of marooned, waiting for what was going to happen. You know, like, okay, who's going to take over a record? Like, what's what's the deal here, you know? Right. Um, so obviously it was, now it turns out Tom Wally, who basically paid for the very first, what is this demo? Funny enough. <laughs> okay. In the early eighties is now one of, you know, one of the main dudes at, at the Interscope. Okay. And, uh, so he calls us in, he says, finally, we have a chance. Uh, I have a chance to do something. Um, please stay. And of course, in the end, it didn't end up working out so good, you know, because he left and again, Man. the same old thing. But the good thing that came from this before we uh, we left and decided to just do it on our own from then on, which is why we uh, we put out Holly Book on our own, um, was that we met, officially met, because Josh had seen us at Matt Cameron's wedding. And we'd run into each other at the airport during Euphoria Morning tour with Lanigan and and uh, Screaming Trees were okay. in, in the same uh, in the same airport. But anyway, so so uh, Queens was also an Aeroscope. We had Avant Garde Dog, which you know they printed just a few copies, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, they actually went went out of their way to put displays up, like put displays up in in the record stores that, that we they knew we were we were frequenting you know oh my gosh on the day wow. it came out but but uh at the same time our friends in new york were like i thought your album was coming out today what what <laughs> the well, there's no there's no copies in new york but... oh anyway jeez um so so basically we're uh we get to meet and hang out and tour with josh and queens so we basically do the rated R is just coming out. We do this tour. You know, it was it was at the time it was Gene, Trout and playing drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, 
let's see, Nick was there, of course. Yeah. You know, Dave Catching. And so you know, we, we ended up like, you know, meeting, becoming friends, doing this great tour. Then he invites us to desert sessions. So seven and eight, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and before that, I think I, he invited me to, 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 to Sound City to record them and mix the, their B-sides for Radar. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, so, so doing, yeah, at Sound City, so we do that. That's that's why, you know, I ended up getting invited by Dave later to be part of the tour and and uh, recordings for Sound City. Because um, I had worked there. And then also when I when I joined the band and for Lullabies, we did the record there with Joe Barisi. Okay. Producing. Oh, okay. So, okay. so now, so, yeah, so basically we did the, the sessions and I ended up, you know, and Sasha... Uh, it comes out to at first she didn't want to go because she didn't like the desert and then once i get there i go <laughs> no dude this is awesome i i'm coming to pick you up now. so I, did, I had to drive out again so i pick her up and we had an amazing time and so and then uh, songs for the deaf for the recording you know natasha and i are there you know for doing weird shit like you know playing i'm playing theremin i'm playing uh evo guitar Sasha's <laughs> playing key, some keys you know i'm the mexican dj she's the russian dj oh that's you okay Yes, me. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the guy singing the the, the little uh, the little uh, commercial when you grab an ass with your friends. Because you know, oh. <laughs> it's true food, good for you. You know that one. Uh, I love that stuff on the album. That, that stuff is so. Yeah, great. me too. It's it's the best. It's it's fun. Um, yeah. So that so that started this entire next amazing part of our lives were, were, were like, again, through fellow traveler artists, you know, we get to be, uh, exposed to the world. So, and you ended uh, up co-writing yeah. Hanging Tree. Yeah, actually, I, yeah, I actually wrote the song and then uh, uh, that and making a cross in like literally like 20 minutes sitting at the couch in ran, uh, Rancho. Oh, my gosh. Um, and we recorded. That's where I met Lanigan. That was a huge day, too. Oh, yeah, um, I love Mark Lanigan. Yeah. And, then, you know, we ended up, you know, we've ended up doing like, what, five records together now. That's with solo records. I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that was that was that was huge. That was like an incredible thing. So you ended up uh, working with them up through their Era Vulgaris album, right? Yeah, uh, basically at that point Natasha had been diagnosed, so so I didn't stay in the band as a as a member. But Era Vulgaris, okay. I recorded and mixed and and played, performed on as well. Um, yeah, it was incredible, incredible uh, period, and of course, you know, the friendship and the connection has has continued. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh got me to come to come to Chile, you know, to go back to Chile and 
it's just amazing. It's great. And that's when, when you met your paternal side of the family. Yes, exactly. And then yeah. uh, that's, let's see, that that's about the same time as them crooked vultures, right? Yeah. It's so, so basically Natasha, uh, we, we, we record, we started recording the next 11 record, you know, cause we did howling book, uh, by the way, uh, just, just around the time oh, yeah, right before right. uh, songs for the deaf. And we did that at the house on our own. Um, and we were started to record the next 11 record. Um, and then she got diagnosed, like, I think the day after the, the, we have five songs that we tracked that are amazing, but they need finishing. Oh, wow. Uh, they just, have, they have all the music. You just need the vocals and stuff, you know? So, okay. and, well, and so. I was going to say, Kill, yeah, me, she, she, Kill yeah. me No More is one of my favorite 11 tracks out of oh, I love all your tracks, yeah. That, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I love beautiful. that one too. Yeah, it's so, it's so, it's beautiful and heavy all at the same time. It's just, oh. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, I mean that, you know, <laughs> No, it's great because Jack Jack had left Pearl Jam and you know, and then Matt Cameron jumped on board. It's pretty amazing how this yeah, this extended family you know runs around. Well um, that's this is this is part of like what I was telling you in, at the very beginning is that there's so many intertwined bands in your history that it's I was getting almost overwhelmed trying to sort everything out. And so yeah. I'm really glad I'm getting the chance to talk with you about this. Yeah, that's the thing. It's 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 yeah. I agree. It's 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 a. It's just something that that I've been very you know fortunate. Just imagine like, you know, you have this, this uh, this. I don't even know. They just got lucky. You know, it's very uh, rare that that there ends up being like an extended family that crosses into so many, you know. You know, it's just just the the years and the, the interesting things that keep happening, and it all keeps being part of it. You know, part of it for, and 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 this cross pollination and this influencing of each other and insp- inspiring each other. Yeah, I mean, like art movements. You know, definitely with painters and with writers. You know, where the stuff where you would hear stuff like this happening. But yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and and so all right, so uh, let's see, so Howling Book is. Is, is out or is coming out. You're working on that. And you're also, you know, having to deal with, with Natasha's illness. And yeah. no, I mean, this is later, like, like uh, Natasha. Got, uh, so Hollywood came out in 2003. Okay. Um, we already been, you know, uh, toured as members of Queens for lullabies. Natasha joined the band for the tour, you know? Okay. Um, and then, you know, afterwards, you know, her and I would produce bands and, 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 it would, you know, uh, at the 11 at the house. Right. And, uh, um, and then basically Erbo Garris, she gets sick. Um, and then basically while she was, she was going, you know, through, through her, in the very beginning of her fight, um, she was still okay. You know, took, a, took, she only, it was only 11 months that, that, the the, the entire thing, but in the first four, four months, four, four yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, the first 
four or five months, she was doing amazingly well. I just she ended up getting a staph infection uh, at the hospital, which almost killed her, and it also allowed the cancer to 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 spread really. Because but but the the initial uh, chemo rounds were were really successful, and and her the cancer that had spread to her lungs from the cervix had um, basically uh, was 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 disappeared from her lungs. Her lungs were clear. Wow. It was just the original tumor. So that was just a, you know, terrible, terrible luck, you know, getting the staph infection and, uh. and them not catching it. Anyway, so then, you know, at that point, um, in the beginning, I mean, just going back in the, in the very first part of her, her fighting and she was doing fine right. and, and uh, driving herself. And she, and, and she, she basically said, you gotta, you know, Brody and I had been preparing the spin and red record, uh, doing demos at the house. And so it came time to do the record and she said, you have to do it. Uh, she loves Brody and, you know, so we did the spin a red record with Jack playing drums and Tony, Govilacqua and Brody and I as, okay. a, as, as the players and the members. And, um, then basically, you know, she, she, it's, it's getting bad and, and she passes away and Josh got, uh, was really concerned uh, we did that. We did the tribute show for the 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 the, the tri- yeah. show with with PJ Harvey and Matt and all the friends and Jack Black and Kyle and and Eagles and you know it was Joey and BOC and it was wow. beautiful. Um, and basically, uh, Josh is like, I'm gonna get, <laughs> I have to keep Al busy. Right. So he invites he invites me to to work with him on the Arctic Monkeys record. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I engineered, and then, and then the vultures appeared, and then I, I ended up uh, being asked to to be part of the recording, and just him and I, you know, when he was working on on stuff uh, after after the tracking, and also I recorded like two or three songs or a couple songs, on, and then they asked me to be a member, live member of the band, and then so we went on the road. That's amazing. So now you're on the road yeah. with Josh Homme. Dave Grohl yeah. and John Paul Jones. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's just like absolutely insane. That's, you know? Oh my god! So you you go from listening to him at your buddy's house, in, yeah. you know, in in, in yeah, exactly. Chile, to playing with him on stage in front of thousands of people. That's an- and and being the ones that would stay up and jam, uh, you know, with a with mandolin and cigar box guitar. Oh man, um, it was an incredible experience, and and we got really really amazing like uh, chemistry and the connection. We extended the songs, the jams. It was a beautiful thing. It, um, I, I and love it was, it. yeah. It, thank you. It was it was on that tour that I had my cigar box guitar, um, and uh, basically I. Uh, I started writing Spark, you know, which because um, I had it with me, and 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 the 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 beginnings of the idea of those songs came from me having that cigar box guitar with me on that tour. Okay. Then I got home, you know, my mom my mom had been diagnosed with cancer before Natasha. She survived 
couple of operations and and stuff and then so she moved in with me to be there for the last uh, two three weeks at Natasha before she passed you know because my mom you know she saw she saw that I needed I needed to to have some support you know yeah and oh, then and then she's she then she stayed with me and she would take care of me like a cook and everything while she was fighting her cancer which kept coming and going and oh, wow. um, she eventually succumbed to it but it was on one of those uh, breaks from the tour, or I think maybe even when it was the tour was just finished, that I went into the to the the control room with picked like nine instruments to use and and brought in like a, a couple of bottles of vodka <laughs> and and recorded recorded Spark uh, in four days like you know just, wow just, it basically four just days. came yeah it just it just and I was it was being created in the moment it wasn't like I had a plan or demos. It's just, I was almost being dictated by, I I felt her presence, you know, it was the first time I'd I'd been like, you know, without her, like, you know, make, we're making music or of my own, um, or our our own. And, and I, it's almost like a record together because, you know, can even hear like some of the vocals on there. It sounds like she's singing and when I solo them, it sounds like me singing, but inside the track, it sounds like she's there. And and I remember like, just like reaching out into the, into the emptiness in it and feeling like her communicating things to me, like you can do this or you, now you need to do this or now it needs, you know, cellos and now you'll do this and now it needs this. And so it was this funny, like kind of like, maybe it's like compartmentalized part of, when you're 25 years with somebody to that degree, uh, meaning, you know, together 24 hours a day and, and connected, like you finish each other's sentences. Sometimes you right. don't even need to, to speak. And, and, um, so yeah, so then spark comes out, uh, just comes out of me and like, like that. And, and then Josh, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. Oh, it's, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful album. Maybe it's like, it, it, when I listen to it, it's like, life and and love and relationships in 39 minutes it's right. you, you've encompassed everything in 39 minutes and it's very it's a very moving album and it's it's the uh the the, the chorus in unfinished plan is beautiful that that russian style mm. deep chorus is is amazing and, and obviously endless eyes is, is just a beautiful song And then just, you know, it was, it was what I needed to be able to, you know, I was so like, there was so much inside me and so much like intense, like almost like a volcano of, of, of feelings and emotions and, and, and sadness and all that, that, that I, that I needed to, you know, to, to start healing, you know, two things happen is, 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 uh, I recorded that album and then Josh, uh, said it's time for you to meet your 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 father you know wow and so he basically invited me to go on the south american tour for that very purpose and my uncle peter arranged the meeting you know for me to meet my dad and 
I have two brothers and one of my brothers, uh, Daniel came with him and, you know, it's actually in, in the movie. I don't know if you've gotten to see the movie yet, but I can, I can send you uh, a link. Oh yeah. I, I, I saw, um, uh, plans make gods laugh. I yeah. haven't seen the other one I, yet, but I did see that one. Yeah. This, this, this one is a, is, is a pretty extensive one. It's got interviews with Chris and Josh and, they made it. Uh, a Chilean uh, uh, filmmaker made it, and and uh, it's it's gotten, you know, shown, and you know now it's it's available in the U.S. and on Amazon and, and a few other places, and not Europe yet, and not all territories, but it's little by little because you know it was funded by the you know he got funding from the government. Okay, okay, and I did see yeah. the trailer, and it looks and, and sounds incredible. I did you know, seeing Josh get emotional during the interview yeah. is. It, that one in itself was very touching. Yeah, yeah, I know this. It's uh, Chris and and uh, Kim and Ben and and Matt and uh, and uh, Mark Flanagan and, and Alex and Turner and Dave Catching. That my sister, you know, tons of people interviewed. It's a it's a really it really I I, I could only watch it. I only wanted to watch it once, and so Chris had just passed away when I when I saw at the premiere in, in Santiago, oh, I, wow. I had to go down there and, and be there and also perform a few songs afterwards. Oh my God. So that was tricky. And then there was a, there was a screening, um, a premiere here in LA and I, and so I, I sat through it twice. It's not something that's easy for me. It's, it's a strange thing. I, anyway, I can't even yeah. imagine. I mean, with mm -hmm. everything I know, I've been married this, this year, uh, let's see, it was 2019 be my 18th wedding anniversary i've been with my wife 19 wow. years total we yeah. actually we got married on the first anniversary of our first date so oh wow awesome so october <laughs> yeah, october 6 2000 we went on our first date october 6 2001 we were married so oh amazing so it I, I you have to be the strongest person i've ever spoken with it's just you've got this it, it, this amazing like jedi quality to you where Think, things are just whirling around you, but you, you've got this calmness and and, and inner peace. Maybe yeah. I guess it, it, yeah. like yeah. In, in the I center mean, of everything that's just whipping around you. I mean, thank you. It's it's obviously like um, there's ter you know it's been terrifying moments, and there's a lot of constant adjusting, and 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 there you know something can send me off into a sad place, but overriding everything is this kind of like, I think it goes back to my connection to music and through music is this feeling of some kind of beyond time and space place, you know, where, okay. where create creation comes, creativity comes from. And, um, you know, this, this connection to an other, other reality, um, or an ultimate reality where everything comes from no, no matter which, which way you, you know, yeah. If people are, you know, if you're, if somebody's an atheist, they, they can still look at a nature show and see incredible I mean, evidence of incredible magic and, and, and intelligence behind all things, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and so, you know, there's this, then this connection and, and, you know, that when, when you love somebody, you, you want to, you know, you want to, when you hug them, you're almost trying to melt, melt back into one thing. Yep. And, you know, in, in science, you know, like at, at the base of all physical matter is just energy that's kind of like making things appear. So right. and, ultimately and, everything is connected to everything else. Right. You know? and, and energy can't be destroyed. It just yeah, exactly. it changes. Yeah. Changes form. 
Yeah, exactly. exactly. And so, and so, you know, in that sense, like, like what gives me strength is like, first of all, you know, there's so much, there's always more to communicate, more to express. And, and, and so as long as I'm, I can breathe, I will continue to, you know, honor, you know, Natasha and Chris and, and all my loved ones, uh, here and not here and just try to make, you know, incredible, as incredible as possible, uh, <laughs> music, you know, to, to help others, you know, feel connected to, to something bigger too. I mean, that's, 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 that's very simple. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed that I have that kind of connection and that kind of, and that saves me because, um, <clears throat> you know, the, I can weather the, 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 the storms with the, with this kind of certainty that, that, that it, that'll be another beautiful moment, another beautiful day, another beautiful show, another yeah. hang, another laugh, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So another, speaking of an, another laugh, let's, let me ask you a question. I was, mm-hmm. I was watching, uh, uh, plans make God's laugh. And mm-hmm. one of the things besides the, the, the amazing photography, videography and that what at, around the, uh, 40 minute mark, you're inside one of my favorite cars of all time, an Avanti. Is was that is that your oh, yes. Avanti? Because I love them. No, no, no. That's that's Hutch's. That's Hutch's oh, car. Man, that thing's. Uh, you know, we were just running around Joshua Tree, and you know, you you know, we need locations, man. <laughs> uh, and so basically, like, can we go over? Hutch, can we come over? Can can uh, uh, you know? Can I sit inside your car? And I, yeah, it's an incredible <laughs> car. Um, no, no, I just uh, I had a. a 99 beetle white bubbly <laughs> oh my yeah. son loves those things <laughs> all right yeah. now i want to ask you about the uh the cigar box guitars that you that you use i've seen yeah. you use them a lot of on your instagram videos and yeah. a lot of the uh alan johannes trio work the mm-hmm. the one i i saw i watched a video uh and I probably shouldn't be saying this because I don't know who's listening, but I was watching it at work today instead of actually doing my job. And mm-hmm. you have like, it's like an eight string yes. uh, guitar. Is that, it, it sounds like it's tuned like, like a 12 string with the sympathetic strings. Is is it, is that the way it works or is it something? Different? I mean, it's, 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 it's basically, um, yeah, it, no, it is very close to that. It's, it's, it's a uh, Maddie Barato who, who makes, Amazing four strings, eight strings, and rezo. Uh, he calls them sig fiddles, rezo sigs. You know, which are okay. which have like little look like resonators with metallic, uh, uh, you know, oh, things on yeah. them. Oh, I love resonators. Like Paul McCartney. Talks. Yeah, Paul, Paul McCartney got one after he saw like footage of me. You know, so he has wow. one, and and uh, JPJ got one. So wait and, a second. Know, so Paul McCartney saw footage of you with one and said, "I've got to get one of those." Yeah, that's it. So the story goes. I mean, I, I remember like like being on stage with uh, with Vultures, and uh, my friend Ali uh, hands me a guitar, and he's like, "I don't want to get you nervous, but Sir Paul is watching you like a hawk." <laughs> and, and I'm like, I mean, that's like my first imprints, and like, forget about it. The Beatles, yes. me, is everything, and especially Paul. And oh. so, and so I uh, I got to meet him and hang out a couple of times, and it's it was just surreal for me, surreal. That's just... um, yes. Yeah, so, so so the, the, this one is uh, I, I tuned it in fourths um, only because it would have an ease of like trans you know kind of like relating to the guitar. But I do play like in several crazy tunings. But this one's tuned in C, so it's like okay. If you take your guitar and you put your you know you bar the the 
eighth fret in the C position. Mm -hmm. It's those first, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a bottom four string. So C, F, B flat, E flat. And the, the C and the F have octave strings, which are first. So when you, depending on how you pick, you get uh, the high note or the low note. And that's where you get these cross melodies. And that's why it has such a rich sound. And also this, the, the, the box is made out of cedar, uh, like flamenco guitars. Ah. And it has this very percussive, like, uh, and, and, you know, it depends how you play it, but it, it really can sound like a Portuguese guitar or like a mandolin or like an acoustic or like a flamenco guitar or like something, uh, you know, something from Africa, you know, it, it, it depends. Okay. It's, it's, it, that's why I love the instrument so much. And, and it's really served me to, I just love the, the simplicity of the four strings. So, and anytime you, you move around to, you can even just like switch a couple of notes, um, and you get into a whole other harmonic, uh, tension release feeling. Um, and you can carry it and it, it's the volume of it is perfect for the voice and it wraps itself around. So I, I just love that instrument. Maddie, Maddie's a genius. He makes, he makes the best ones. Uh, and they're, me, you know? and they, they look so portable. Like you, you can travel with them so easily. Oh yeah. I mean, I've got my, my, my gig bag, leather gig bag and I, 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 it's never leaves my, my, my side. Like when I get on the plane, I mean, I just gotta wait for people to put their, their, their bags up so i can put it on top yeah yeah you exactly. know so i don't I, I wait because i don't put it in at first and some 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 idiot comes in with a fucking squeeze some carry on like and push it down into the yeah I'm like no no that's no, okay throw their laptop on top of it or something i've seen so many yeah. horror videos of people opening up cases from uh airplane trips and headstocks are snapped and it's just Oh. Yeah, you you have to be careful. I mean, you should be able to. You know, people are carrying all kinds of stuff onto the plane. That's just because it's a little longer. It's you know, it's a uh, it's just a little bit longer than a tennis racket. So I couldn't. <laughs> you have to get a custom a custom thing. It's padded and everything's fine. No, it's it, it survived. It, it it actually finally uh, I fell onto it by by falling and catering and chili and I crushed the shit out of it. Oh, and uh, but Maddie brought it back to life. It's almost a hundred percent. Well, I've I've kept you for a long time, and I just I just have a couple more things I wanted to ask you about. And yeah, no worries, yeah. Rest of your evening. So you do a lot of these Instagram videos with your with mm -hmm. your cigar, cigar box guitar. How did that get started? What what made you decide you wanted to throw you know just just little snippets out here and there uh, for us to listen to? Well, I mean, so so uh, basically, I was you know I, I moved out of eleven eighty a couple of years ago, and I've been staying uh, with my sister. Okay. Um, and that's really, really helped me cause I'm kind of like, you know, kind of floating around at the moment trying to figure out where I'm going to end up, you know, whether it's Europe or somewhere else or, okay. but it's just, it's just kind of part of like, you know, me trying to have a second life or reinvent myself in a way. And I started to like, you know, early on in the Instagram days, it was just photos. And then suddenly you could, uh, Put, you know, put little videos up, you know, at, at the, in the beginning, there were 15 seconds because I have like thousands of posts They right. go back years and, you know, just, uh, producing and working at the house. And at the end of the night, you know, glass of wine, like unwinding. And, and I wanted to like, I always like kind of sit there and, and things would come out. And for some reason there was something much more appealing rather than like, I have so many like voice memos and like things like, Oh, I can't forget that bit or whatever. Mm -hmm. But to have, to have like a, a, a real time scratch pad in a sense that that is almost like a performance. Cause you're sending it out into the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like literally like I would just start recording 
um, even before I, I grab the instrument, I go outside, uh, and then it's been, ha- you know, the last couple of years over here, uh, where I'm living in the in Woodland Hills. And, and then I just start playing. And then in there, there's going to be something now literally like I've gotten it down to the point where like it comes out, you know, I don't have to like edit it or there's no, there's none of that. It just is what it is. And I, and I post it, you know, like, Oh, today is 12 string day. Okay. Today's Portuguese guitar day. And, and, uh, I really enjoy that being able to like communicate, um, uh, you know, musically immediately and have people in the beginning, you know, just a few hundred followers and then became a few thousand. And now it's up to like 38 something. And which is beautiful. Um, fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and also at the same time, like, uh, on fragments, you know, my second solo record, I literally just went in every day for 12 days and I would pick one of these by now dozens and dozens of little improvs that I've done. Um, and I would, I would finish it basically go, okay, that's great. So now, so this is a thing. And then it wants to be like this and it needs to be electric or this needs to be acoustic and it needs in my mind, it's kind of like, you know, just almost unfolding. I'm, I'm almost like receiving a transmission or something, you know, oh, just wow. listening. And I'm just listening, tuned in. Okay. And uh, it feels like this, and I've got this line. And then and then I would basically start it in the morning, finish recording it by dinner, go out to dinner, come back and mix it, and then put it away. And that's that's how I did fragments, like 12 songs in 12 days. Wow. Um, you know, some of them were a little trickier, like I'm playing drums on this. So I literally set, uh, set my, the pro tools to record, you know, for like an hour yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd give myself like two minutes to rest in between. And then I would hear my voice, you know, I would copy, uh, my voice going one and two and one, two, three, and then I'd come in, you know, Oh man! and then I have to edit, edit the drums or the other stuff. I can pretty much like get a lot of it in one take, but. I'm not, I've never spent enough time playing drums, so it's not you know, easy for me. Um, <laughs> but but I'm, I'm down, I'm game, you know, that's why I have all these instruments. I love the sound of instruments. I love how they look. I love I love textures. If I hear a texture, I love having it in my in the house somewhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah. like a bass clarinet with a, with a zither, and like it's been doubled on the right side with a harmonica <laughs> and a kazoo, you know? And <laughs> I hear it so clearly. And so I just go and grab it and, you know, and then, you know, practice the line and, and then, uh, the, off I go. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, I sh- you can hook up with my, this, these guys I had on the show, uh, not too long ago, Dallas acid. They can get you a guy with a zither. Uh, Laraji. Oh, awesome. Oh, amazing. I love, I love <laughs> my, my latest, my latest, uh, love is the Portuguese guitar. When I went to work with uh, dead combo, amazing, become oh, great friends, God. amazing band. I love dead yeah. combo. Yeah, so I, I produced the, the the last record and and uh, oh. and I got to uh, you know they, they turned me on to Car- Carlos Paredes you know who is like this insane Django Reinhardt uh, figure oh, really? Paco de Lucia level oh, of wow. the Portuguese yeah if you if you if you go search for Carlos Paredes and listen to like Porto Santo or Cansao or you know it's just incredible the Portuguese guitar is it's got the tuning. Uh, it goes almost back to like hundreds of years. So it's really crazy looking oh, okay. and it's got a curve, it's got a curved fingerboard, almost like a cello. Oh, and wow. it's got, it's got basically like uh 12, it's got, 
12 strings and it's tuned CGA, DGA, but I, I kind of tune it a few different ways. Okay. And it's very, very, it's like an expanded cigar box. It almost sounds like a harpsichord sometimes. Oh, You'll love wow. it. You'll love it. I guarantee if you go look up Carlos Paredes, would, uh, Paredes, like, like in walls, P-A-R-E-D-E-S. Okay. Okay. I would definitely look that yeah. up because I, I remember yeah. I, I was watching some video late night at some, I, I don't know, I was working on a, maybe one of one of these shows, editing a show or something. I don't remember. But I I don't remember what channel I was watching, but I hear this music and I'm, I look up and it's just this duo playing this incredible music. And I look up and I'm, I hit the info button on my remote and it's something with the dead combo. I'm like, yeah. these guys are amazing. And I went out and I, I yeah, got they, one of their albums, uh, a, a bunch of Maninos. Yes. I got that one and I, I listened to that all the time. Yeah, you should you should check out the one that I, that I recorded, uh, uh, produced and recorded. It's called uh, Odeon Hotel. As a matter of fact, uh, Lanigan and I just went to Portugal and we played two shows with them, uh, guesting on oh. on their stuff. Oh my and, god. Uh, incredible the, the stage set up and all of them and, and Pedro and Toe and everybody in the band Alex Fazal they're, they're just incredible uh, musicians and artists yeah well that brings me to my the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about I saw a video of you with a uh, song Luna Asol with yeah Luna Mike, Asol yep. yeah with, with Mike Patton so yeah. we, we'll bring him back into it um, that's uh, a fantastic song. Are you working on uh, a new album? Are you working on music with him or, or solo or what's going on with you now? Well, you know, basically, you know, Mike, Mike, uh, uh, you know, and, and Greg, they, they run Ipecac and I, and I'm, I'm signed to Ipecac and I was for Spark as well, you know? Okay. Um, so that's all recent because they love the, they put out the, 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 the single. Uh, that's, that's my trio, uh, Cote, Fonsea, and Fonsea, the incredible. And I'm going to be uh, finishing the trio album with them, recording it uh, in the fall. Okay. But right now I'm working on it um, first. You know, I do some solo touring in Europe. But what happened is that, the, uh, you know, I'd met Mike finally after all those years uh, at one of Josh's hangs, you know. Okay. And we, we kept in touch. And when I was in, in uh, uh, the Hope Six uh, band with, uh, you know, PJ Harvey's latest uh, uh, album or project, Enrico yes. and Alessandro, um, you know, bandmates with Mick Harvey and John Parrish and Polly's a dear friend. So uh, they, they they were talking to Mike all the time because they were in Mondo Cane as well, you know, which is his amazing project. Uh, he sings in Italian. Okay. And so then he reached out to me to 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 collaborate on a uh, how sad a lonely, um, which we did, was released on John Zorn's label and. Uh, so we did that, and then I'd hit him up for Luna, you know, Luna Sol, which is the first lyric and song I've ever sung in Spanish, you know. Oh wow! Uh, out of my own stuff. Yeah, yeah, it okay. is the first time, and it, it took me a second to like to like be able to write lyrics that weren't translated from English because I by now you know I mean I I basically think in English even though I have an accent. From, you know. <laughs> is he Swedish? Is he Dutch? <laughs> is he Canadian? Definitely not German. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not <laughs> um, 
And so I asked Mike, and he said, of course, mijito. He calls mijito. Um, <laughs> and so it was amazing. And so then then fellow, uh, the keyword player, uh, he directed the, the video, and Ipica put out the single. So it was it was amazing. And so we got to both sing in Spanish, which was great. And they love him in Chile. He's kind of like a... a they consider him Chilean as well. Wow. And me now too. So yeah, so it was an all Chilean band. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, I, well, I love that song. So I'm, I'm uh, really looking forward to hearing more from the two of you together because that was a beautiful track. Oh, I'd love to. I think, I think that's definitely going to be in the future. You know, we, we have to collaborate more because we have a very, very beautiful shorthand and, and, and he's such a genius, and I have oh, huge respect for him, and 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 mad love too. He's he's, he's an amazing man. Well, um, yeah, I think I think you're an amazing artist. You're an amazing person. Uh, it's I'm so thrilled to being able to spend so much time with you tonight. Thank you so much. I, I promise that was it. I'll let you go and, and enjoy <laughs> okay, the rest. Of no you worries. Know, I don't know. I've, yeah. I've taken up almost two hours of your night here already. So. All good, buddy. All good. So, I, I had a great time. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.